Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Tingle is now with us. And Laura, Federal Cabinet meets on Wednesday and they're going to try and nut out that thorniest of issues, housing. And there's a big challenge there, isn't there? Um, Philip, yes, uh, National Cabinet's meeting up in uh, Brisbane and um, there's been a lot of focus, obviously, on the brawl between um, the Federal Labor Government and the Greens about rent freezes and those sorts of issues that the Greens have been pushing uh, while they've been saying that they wouldn't pass the government's uh, housing fund. But I think... uh, the reality of, of the way the Australian economy and Australian government works is sort of a bit on display here because the Prime Minister keeps push, pushing back on the rental issue and just saying, look, it's actually up to the states. You know, they control rents. The states, for their part, are not really giving a lot of comfort to the Greens. They're going to be talking about, um, you know, making, making life better for renters in terms of n- not being able to just be evicted and things like that. Some of them have put in place uh, controls in the sense of, you know, landlords can't increase rents by more than a certain amount in a one or two year period. But there are no such things as rent freezes on the horizon. But I think uh, the a, a, in the similar way, the states and local governments really control a lot of the issues around supply of land and space for housing. And I think the best that the PM can really uh, be uh, doing on Wednesday is probably, dear one say, offering them a bit more incentive money uh, to try to boost the number of ha- new housing units that they can get going in ind- each individual state over the next couple of years. Now, to simplify it, the demand for housing, including rental, is, uh, is surging but the rate of building approvals and, uh, well, commencements is slumping and there's a great many reasons for that, aren't there? There are a lot of reasons for it, Philip. I mean, normally if demand increases, so does supply, but in fact supply of new houses, uh, as in new houses out on the sort of sort of uh, outskirts of cities and things like that, is actually down really significantly um, in the last year. And um, the number of apartments being started is also down quite considerably. Now, when you stop and think about it, that sort of makes sense given interest rates are up, um, (laughs) wages aren't up, uh, the cost of money is higher. We've had uh, a lot of skills shortages, not just in terms of tradies, but in areas that you don't really necessarily think about, but like uh, town planners... uh, quantity surveyors, building certifiers, all these sorts of things. So the whole thing has slowed things down. So we've got a shortage of these sort of specialised bureaucrats. We've got a shortage of the specialised bureaucrats and, of course, there's also a lot of uh, rebuilding that has to be done uh, as a result of natural disasters. That's sort of further put the pressure on the number of tradies we've got around... Uh, there's shortages uh, of uh, goods in supply chain, uh, which is partly still a re- result of um, the sort of overflow of the pandemic. It's all it's all very messy, Philip. And and, um, and there's mm-hmm. been a string of collapses by construction companies. 
and well, yes, once again, effect, an effect of interest rates, which is uh, a lot of builders entered fixed term, uh, fixed price contracts with their uh, customers. When uh, Phil Lowe was talking about rates staying where they were for until twenty twenty four, prices have surged quite considerably uh, for goods, uh, and that sort of meant that they've all been collapsing. So it's a perfect storm of disasters, really. Phil, I'm, I'm just looking at a note here. The average price of a new dwelling to be constructed has risen 50% since pre-COVID. That's extraordinary. Pretty staggering stuff, isn't it? Okay, let's move on to something else that will be happening in Brisbane, and that is the uh, ALP Party Conference. Mm. Now, that could be that could be exciting. Will AUKUS be a, an embarrassment to Elbow? It's sounding like, um, as is often the case with these things, Philip, it'll sort of be managed to be reasonably managed into a form that's reasonably quiet. Uh, there'll be talk about, um, you know, limits on nuclear-powered submarines visiting Australia and, you know, nuclear-powered submarines not carrying nuclear arms. But the central contention of us having nuclear-powered submarines seems to not be, you know, front and centre of of the conference, which uh, it would have been at one time. And like a lot of the other issues that have been floating around as being significant at conference, uh, like uh, Australia's stance on Israel and Palestine, there's, there's sort of there there are uh, appeasements or uh, sort of uh, various concessions being made that sort of is keeping it them all pretty much. Under are, control. are you suggesting to this ancient broadcaster that an ALP conference is sort of managed and manipulated? Oh, sorry, Philip, but yes. As you well know, as oh, you well know, dear, the only oh, one that I reckon is a bit out of control is the tax debate. Well, I was going to ask about that. Is that on the agenda? Well, there, I suppose the thing that's interesting to me about that is that there are a whole range of tax proposals floating around out there, and that's one area where the government can't just sort of say, okay, well, you know, for example, on um, Israel, we're going to start talking about the occupied territories and that sort of quietens everybody down on the Palestine question. It's a bit harder for them to say something to appease people on tax. Uh, we've got some powerful unions in this in this game, in this fight, um, and they're all fighting over slightly different things. Some people want to see uh, an increase in the corporate tax rate to pay for more social housing. Some people want to see the stage three tax cuts reconsidered. You know, there's been earlier talk about negative gearing. So it's a bit messy and uh, I, I don't, the government's not going to move on negative gearing, obviously, but there are a lot of issues where, uh, like the stage three tax cuts, the government can't just come out and say, well, you know, we can't give you that, but we're going to give you this instead. So I think that sort of usually is where the noise is mostly generated at ALP conferences. Laura, as you know, I'm a militant member of the CFMEU, that's the Mining and Construction and Ancient Broadcaster Union, and we've argued for a tax rate to be raised to 40% for mm. corporations earning more than $100 million in annual turnover. Is that going to play out? Well, super, super profits taxes, as we know, Philip, <laughs> have a not incredibly successful um, uh, sort of history in Australia in recent times. So I, I'm not wildly confident that one's going to uh, 
going to sort of really get up, but um, good on them for trying. In our next story, we're going to be looking at the impact of climate change on global food security, which reminds me that there'll be growing pressure at the conference within Labor ranks on climate, wanting the PM to take a stronger stand. Well, this is one of those things which I think is probably important in terms of um, keeping, uh, keeping the pressure on the government as you say, from internal sources to do more. I don't think it will result in any immediate actions to, uh, to uh, appease the people who are calling for this, but I think it shows that there is this restlessness around within Labor about its general positions on a wide range of fronts, including climate, that it is not doing anywhere near enough uh, to address issues which, of course, we're having another round of being very frightened by given what's happened in Hawaii and given all the you know, rather dire pro uh, predictions of what's going to happen over our summer here. There's also pressure to develop new policies in response to uh, mammoth subsidies for renewable energy, as in the United States. Well, this is sort of interesting, Philip, because it's sort of morphing. I mean, it's traditionally been the Greens who've basically called for a removal of, uh, you know, subsidies to fossil fuels and things like that. We're seeing that issue now sort of morphing into within the Labor Party more, um, but it's also morphed because this issue of the way the US has dealt with it crosses over from climate change into trade competitiveness issues. So it's becoming a bit more murky and it's a problem for Labor or for any government really that... Um, that the uh, that the US is putting in place a, a range of policies now to try to keep themselves competitive in the current environment, which cut across a range of different portfolios like this. I understand that Mark Latham of Loving Memory just got the boot from one Nathan leadership, which of course reminds one that he also got the boot from Labor leadership and that the ALP once well. seriously, <laughs> once seriously proposed that he had prime ministerial qualities. Yes, um, it's, it's been a spectacular ride, hasn't it? So, um, yes, this, uh, it, I think it's quite interesting. He's, he's been, uh, Pauline Hanson's basically taken over the part, the New South Wales party. And of course, there's a long history of the actual structure of uh, One Nation being a rather fascinating thing <laughs> unto itself anyway. Uh, but um, she's now turfed uh, Mark Latham out as party leader. Let's keep in mind that there are only three members of the party, uh, but nonetheless. Um, and uh, she's saying that uh, the party uh, did badly under the, uh, under the leadership of Latham um, and that's why she's moving against him. But I think there's been speculation that there are other things afoot. I mean, obviously, um, Mark Latham's being sued by um, by Alex Greenwich, the Green, for some really revolting comments that he made. Uh, and there's been some uh, speculation, I think, in The Guardian tonight or some reporting in The Guardian saying that One, uh, One Nation sources are saying that um, Mark Latham was pretty useless as a leader if journalists all refused to deal with him. So he's uh, he's just become a more and more isolated figure, Mark Latham, but 
there are three One Nation members in the New South Wales Upper House, and if it's not him, I guess it's going to be one of the others, but I'm not quite sure whether you really need a leader of a party of three, but... I've, I've, just, I've just had a sort of a, a, f- a flash of prophecy. I see him finding a new home with the Nats. I've been talking to Laura Tingle, Chief Political Commentator for 7.30, and this is a little wireless program called LNL. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.